0: Welcome to Copybytes, where we delve into the challenges of copywriting and marketing to uncover techniques, mindsets, exercises, and unbelievably easy ways for you to become the best marketer for your business. I'm your host, Bob Taylor, the self-proclaimed persuasive word nerd. So I just had the most amazing conversation with AJ Saunders, a marketing strategist expert in the e-commerce area. We talked about the challenges that he faced running his own e-commerce store, why he loves marketing so much, and the activities that he did himself to overcome some lead generation challenges that he faced in his own business. So we talked about some lead generation strategies, um, what he uses. We we talked a little about a little bit about that. Uh, we also talked about networking effectively, which was pretty awesome because so many people don't network correctly. They go in with the completely wrong expectations of a networking experience, and then they get very deflated by the, the whole process post-networking. So we talked about kind of short-term lead generation strategies, long-term lead lead generation strategies, something that we're all struggling with right now. So really, really interesting conversation overall. But probably the highlight of the conversation was, was definitely when he actually revealed an untapped marketing strategy that most people are missing in their business right now. Really, really awesome for him to have given that information, something he would normally charge for. So for him to have given that information on this podcast was, was absolutely golden. And then finally, we we kind of also talked about optimizing your product offerings, you know, how, how to make the most of the products that you're selling now, but also how to decide what products you should be offering to your existing and prospective clients as well to optimize sales, things like that. So really, really, really good conversation with AJ and I'm so happy to have had him as a guest. So without further ado, let's jump straight into that episode now. Hi, IJ. It's absolutely fantastic to have you on the podcast. Uh, you're actually going to be my first guest. How does that make you feel?
1: Amazing. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real <laughs> pleasure to be here. You know, we've been, we've been friends for coming up two years. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been great to see you grow. It's been great to, to to get to know you. And yeah, super excited to be here today.
0: Awesome. Well, let's let's hit it off. Uh, let's hit it off. Let's start it off is what I meant to say. Um, <laughs> let's start it off with a little bit of an introduction about you. Do you want to tell my listeners a little bit about you?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm AJ. I run Equals Marketing Agency. I I basically I'm really passionate about marketing and I'm really passionate about helping people understand what marketing is because I feel a lot of people think marketing is social media, which is a slither of it, you know. But to me, marketing is the process where you're trying to convince somebody to buy something or convince somebody to take an action. I guess is probably the best way of putting it. Convince somebody to take an action based on meeting them where they're at, or meeting them using verbiage that they they understand. So whether that's you know, social media, whether that's video, whether that's text, whether that's you know billboards, you know whatever it really doesn't matter. And then making sure that every element of your business is is, is using the basic marketing principles of delight and wow to, to to really engage your customers and to to create raving fans, and not just repeat buyers.
0: Well, this is you're speaking my language it's why i was so excited to have a marketing guy on with with my first guest because you're talking my language which is, which is fantastic um because the way the way that i like to look at what I'll, I'll, you, I'll do for the chat you do is that you're, you're kind of the strategy behind it and um yeah yeah as, as a copywriter i i get that i take that strategy and put it into words um, words that the, the customer will understand so you, hmm. you you're almost picking where the customers are going to be um, in terms of strategy yeah. and then yeah. it, it's down to getting the copyright so that when you meet those customers there you're saying the right message to them too but w- one interesting thing that I think we, we've talked about in the past but it'd be great to get it on this podcast is you mentioned that you've um you you ran a failed e-commerce company And then you went into marketing. Yes. I'd love to hear more about kind of the challenges that you face there and and what happened.
1: Right. So, yeah. So uh, about nine years ago, I started um, a jewelry e-com store. And what I was able to do is in the first year, I believe we had customers in six countries. And By the end of year two, we had customers in 12 countries. Countries and so it was a lot of fun. So yes, so so I had customers in you know UK, France, Spain, Russia because Russia was fine back then, um, India, US, Canada, um, etc. So it it was really, it was really really fascinating. And I think so. The reason it failed—that's probably why you actually are asking this question, not because you'll hear some sub story. The reason it failed is. I did everything on credit cards, you know, and didn't have critical mass, right? And so I think a, a key operational failure for me is I didn't, I did, I didn't differentiate between products that I thought could sell versus products that could could have some actual meaningful, repeatable value. So the watch businesses, is, 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 for example, is very very tricky because people buy watches probably two months of the year, which is December and then February. Yeah, we we're recording this on right. Valentine's Day, and so a lot of the work trade now goes very, very quiet till December. It's the same thing mm-hmm. with jewellery. Jewellery stores mainly make of their revenue in December. Not February, December. So, yeah, so there's that. I then did everything on credit cards or borrowed money, and that is a, a you know, the, the, a surefire way of actually going broke um, and so yeah so it was quite a painful experience to to go through but at the same time it's one of these things that you know I'm glad I did I'm glad that I I realised the mechanics of, of running a business and I think that was a big lesson for me is I learnt how to run a business I didn't learn how to how to blow up and, and get a million in sales I learned how to the fundamentals of Doing things well and doing things productively in a way that is customer centric, and I think that's that then kind of has led me to where I'm at. When I'm talking about marketing a lot, and talking about everything through marketing, but I, but I also get you know the operational challenges, how I get the you know the problems that people face, and I think that's what I'm able to, to bring to my clients is is not just well everything's great because we're, we're spending lots of money, we're getting loads of clients, but to, you know, to help them understand that actually there's a greater you have to have a greater kind of plan and greater intent behind what you're doing. Mm. And also I think, you know, and I think we, 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 we've talked about this quite a bit you know, behind the scenes before is that we're kind of both unicorns in a way. So like, I've actually run an e-commerce business, right. You've actually sold products over the phone. Yep. You don't come from this. Well, I've, I've, I'm a copywriter and therefore, you know, I'm the noblest of all and because I can write copy of space. You've actually had to, uh, you know, you probably had the phone slammed down on you. You, know, you probably had quite a lot of very horrific experiences that you could write a book about, but that's actually led you to the point where you understand the oh, psychology yeah. of what you're... <laughs> right, right, exactly. But you, 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 probably, you probably understand the basic psychology behind what you do and how to make what you do work. And I think that's instrumental in, in, in why we're, we're different from, say, an agency guy who's just... Or an agency girl who's just worked in the agency and that's all they've known.
0: I think, I think there's a there's a there's a major difference there but a couple of things i picked up from what you just said um you know, running a business this i'm talking from my own experience as well now um that we're not taught how to run a business in school um i think you'd have to go off and do more training it's specific to business after school so a lot of people start running their own business without really knowing how to run a business right so the the experience that you have is actually really really valuable um so what it's like what you said it's that unicorn effect of what you bring to the table is more than just what you're offering yeah. which leads me to the other thing that you just said about getting the product right um because there are so many entrepreneurs and business owners out there especially in the digital yeah. space um obviously you were selling in the actual physical physical space but especially in the digital space that think they're selling something amazing. I'm also guilty of this, by the way. <laughs> well, actually... So either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've done this too, by the way. You're not, you're not laying yeah. out there if you're doing this too. <laughs> um, you, you, you think you're selling something amazing, but actually in reality, you're not, you're not really selling anything that's going to help anybody. Um, and it's it, it's kind of that mindset switch in your head, isn't it, of, as, as to what do I want to, to sell compared to what do I want to sell but is also actually going to help people. Um, to to make money doing their thing.
1: Well, you know, it, it, it's a. Uh, I talk about the Venn diagram a lot. You know, three concentric circles that overlap, and um, you have one circle that is what you want to sell. Mm-hmm. You have one circle that is what 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 customers want, and you have another circle which is what's profitable to actually sell. And so, you are trying to find something that that is at the intersection of the three, and not just one. Because if you do something that's highly profitable but mm-hmm. you find boring, you're going to want to go find a bridge, right? If you do something that's, that's, you know, artistically meaningful for you as a, as a business owner, but isn't actually sellable or profitable, that's the fastest way to end up homeless, right? Um, and so, yes, you need to find something that, you know, and, and, and oftentimes, and this is the thing that never gets talked about, is oftentimes the customer is actually wrong they think they have a problem that can be solved by a product, but actually that the underlying problem is different and therefore actually being able to, 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 decipher and diagnose what the actual problem is and give them a solution that actually addresses that is far, far more present than actually just saying, well, Mr. Prospect you've said, you know, well, one, you, you said X, Y, and Z and therefore I'm delivering X, Y, and Z. You know, I think, you know, the, the Henry Ford quote comes to mind, you know, I'm a massive. Well, I'm I'm i a big fan of Henry Ford, even though he was anti-Semitic. Um anyway. Um You can edit that out later, because that's probably libel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um the the Henry Ford quote that I'm that I'm enamoured with is he said, you know, if if I'd asked people what they wanted they would have said a faster horse. Mm-hmm they wouldn't have understood that you know, the horse was the precursor to having to, to being able to mechanise the, the basic underlying features of the horse in a more tangible way that actually produced something that was better, faster, quicker, cheaper. Yep. Right? And so that to me, you know, again, you know, if people want a fast horse, but you can find a different a different route to get there. You you know, you haven't you, you, you give them you give them a solution that solves the underlying problem, you haven't given them a solution that they've identified.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's really, really uh, awesome. And probably because of our backgrounds, we, I think we both kind of work yeah. in, a, in a similar sort of way there. I don't call myself a strategic copywriter, um, but there is strategy yeah. behind um, kind of how I approach things. And, and in copywriting, um, what you just described there, Henry Ford's quote, is what we refer to in copywriting as, as a hidden desire. Um, you know what's their what's their hidden desire? what do they want that they don't know what they want yeah. right because if you can sell them that, you're selling yeah. gold <laughs> and th- there've been sometimes when I'm when I'm talking to prospects and they've they've come to me and they've said that they need X, y, and Z and I, I I like to take a step back and go, well actually you do need X, y and Z, but maybe you need X, y and Z in a few months because right now, what's the point in building x, y and Z? For a good example is landing pages. Someone will come to me for a landing page and I'll ask, where's your traffic coming from? I don't have any traffic. Well, then why are you building a landing page? I understand that you need a landing page for people to land on to, but you don't have anybody to send to that landing page. So first you need to get yeah. that kind of lead generation right. happening. Um, and I know that you've mentioned in the past that lead generation has been a a, a challenge for you. How have you kind of overcome the challenge of lead generation, because I think it's a very common situation and challenge that people have. So it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts about overcoming the challenges of lead generation.
1: So a good friend of mine, Ken Ken, Ken Cook, who's an American, said to me last week, and it's kind of made a lot of sense and also was very, very hurtful. So sorry, <laughs> um, he has that habit of doing that. Um, <laughs> that's what you have mentors, right? Um, <laughs> You know, my, 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 my question to him last week was how can we solve this lead generation problem for this particular business that we're, we're involved in together? And he said, well, you can't because it's not a static situation, right? And so you can't solve it once and then it's you, 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 you've you figured out how to do lead gen, right? Mm-hmm. And so the way I try and generate business and trying to generate just interest in what I'm doing is just try and talk to as many people as possible, number one, but also number two, then trying to, to do favors for people to so try and connect people with, with other people, try to hook other people into projects, those kind of things. And just try to create, you know, as much awareness and as much goodwill as possible. Mm-hmm. Cause I know, I know if I can get somebody talking and get them feel that they owe me something, they're going to keep looking for opportunities to help me. So obviously this sounds very manipulative and very self-serving, and it is. I'm not going to say that it's not. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the way the cro- cookie crumbles oftentimes, is you have to be self-serving. You have to be slightly narcissistic, I guess, in terms of where, what are we trying to do and how are we trying to move things forward?
0: There are some people that, and, and I hear this a lot, um, kind of business owners saying, but I want to help people. I don't want to i'm not trying to be self-serving and and things like that and the the example that i like to give in this situation is because we have to be right yeah when you're on an airplane when they do the the emergency thing do they not say to parents put your emergency air mask on Mm -hmm. before you put your child's on
1: yeah
0: right the reason is because if you don't put your own mask on it you might not be able to put the mask on for your child (laughs) right so you, you, you kind of have to serve yourself first in order to serve other people. And a lot of people don't, I, I guess it's my background in sales. It's a brutal, brutal industry. <laughs> and, and you, you, you understand that you, <laughs> you, if you don't sell to this person, somebody else is going to, yep. right. Yep. So it's either your yep. seller or it's somebody yep. else's sale. So you kind of, you kind of have to be a bit more kind of a brutal approach to it. than, than you can't have a soft approach. Sometimes you, you've got to be a little bit harder. And you've got to be like what you said, people might describe it as narcissistic, people might describe it as self-serving, but actually you've got to be those things in order to serve your customers. Because if you're not sustainable, well, then you won't be serving the way that you want to serve. And it's kind of a vicious circle that I see a lot of business owners get into. Um, They don't want to, they don't want to hard sell the marketing or they they put marketing in being cheesy or I I don't want to be pushy marketing and and I've written the least pushy writing for clients in the past and they've said this is so pushy I'm like it really isn't <laughs> this is such a soft sell <laughs> yeah you wouldn't yeah. believe it how soft this sell is yeah. <laughs> but yeah. in their eyes it's so pushy and so hard because in, in their eyes just asking for the sale is pushing but asking yeah. for the sale is not a pushy a, a pushy no. a pushy thing asking for the sale is just saying I can help you do you want it do you want my help <laughs> yeah
1: Exactly. And I think I think there's loads of there's loads of people who think that they're helping and they're actually hurting. And I think, you know, you know, I, I know we we've both been to, to countless networking events in the last year that have been the same twelve people who don't like each other really, don't want to help each other. And they just there for themselves. And it's like if you realise actually the way to all goodwill is to say right, you know, you need a cooperative, right, I know Bob, Bob's amazing, blah blah you know, knowing full well that Bob's going to then find you somebody or, you know, or give you some kickback or whatever, you know, I think that's that's a far better way than, you know, than being self-serving. Of, you know, clearly something like b i you know, I'm not going to be litigious here. Um, B&I go to the nth degree of where, you know, somebody says, right, you know, my Auntie Flo is looking like for a plumber, and then every plumber on the, their BNI chapter then phones Auntie Flo for the next three weeks to try and get to convince her. And because they're not in the sales business, they all seem really, really pushy because they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Right, and Auntie Flo just said, well, the toy, the, the, the toilet's leaking. It, 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 I can live with it, right? I don't need a plumber right now. <laughs> yeah, but you <laughs> right. know exactly what I mean when I say that. Don't you leave me alone. Um, and so, you know, I think I think when it comes to lead generation, it's just about being invisible. It's about trying to help people. It's also about trying to figure out what you can... What you can can bring to the party that they're missing or that they don't have, I feel that like it's far more important than trying to to just make sales. Just being like overly nice, but also I have a lot of people are trying to sell a solution that, don't, that doesn't actually solve a problem, and they're trying to do it in a way that doesn't actually
0: mm-hmm.
1: entice people to want to talk. And you know, for me, everything that I do, whether it's social, whether it's emails, whether it's doing things like this, is not to generate leads, but to generate you know conversations with people that may be interested or may have somebody that may be interested in six months down the line so it's not a short-term play any of this stuff but it is a way to actually keep people engaged and motivated and get conversations out of it
0: yeah I, I, a lot of people the, the, the way that i look at lead generation it's taken me a long time let's just recap my journey a little bit you know i came straight out of school went right into sales um which was completely out of my comfort zone, but I stayed in that industry for 11 years yeah. or 10 years or so, I can't remember exactly what it was before I decided to call it quits because I was completely burnt out Um, and just kind of go, go, go myself and, you know, well, I'm just going to try my own thing, do, do my own thing. Right. Um, with zero experience of doing that thing for anybody in the past. Um, but there's, 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 there's kind of a lot of fear ar- around starting that, you know, yeah. starting your own business. Um, and and kind of going out there but for me you can separate lead generation in, into two things you've, you've got what what people might call quick wins the the short-term lead generation and you have the long-term generation and uh, that's like the long-term lead generation and and the thing that a lot of people fail to do is put the work into the long-term stuff everybody can do the short-term stuff you know talk to people that are interested everybody can do that like like your bni example Oh, she needs a plumber. I'm a plumber. I can help. That's kind of the short-term lead generation. But the long-term lead generation, there's two problems with it. People don't want to do it because it takes too long. And when people do do it, they don't stick it out. I'm also guilty of this too. So I don't want people to think that I'm telling them off for not doing it. (laughs) How many times, AJ, have I started networking and then stopped networking? I've (laughs) lost count. I've lost count. I hate doing I'm ashamed of you for
1: doing that. I've lost count. How dare And you've only known me two years. (laughs) But
0: but you're 100% right that that that, that long-term lead generation strategy is is the most likely to work because the short-term lead generation strategies kind of bring you clients as and when you need them or or bring you prospects as and when you need them but to have a steady flow of that coming through without constantly having to put in the work because that's the thing as well short-term lead generation is all great because you can get a sale this week or next week but how much work do you have to put in to getting that short-term prospect it's probably equal to or more than the long-term strategy that you were just talking about with with lead generation and and you talked about networking as well networking is 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 a great long-term lead generation strategy but it took me a a good part of three years to learn what networking actually is so if anyone's listening to this podcast thinking that they're going to go to a networking event to sell their services and they're going to come away with a client wipe that from your mind right now. It's not going to happen. It might. Okay. It might happen. Yeah. Under the very small circumstance that the networking event that you go to has somebody that needs exactly your service and hits it off with you right away. Right. You, you may get an instant kind of sale straight away, but generally that, that's not the way networking works. So you, it took me a really long time to realize that when you go to a networking event, you're just going to network. You're not going to sell. You're not going to to be pushy. With, with what, with what you offer or anything like that, you're just going to meet people. Yeah. Um, and, and, to, and, and the big word that you just kind of a buzzword that came up as well was visibility. Um, which is funny. One of the things that I'm focusing on this year is is visibility. I, I want to be out there more and um, hence yeah. the relaunch of my podcast. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's being out there, being more visible, talking to more people. Um, because that's, yep. that's just a great way of bringing those leads in, great way of building relationships with people that, that could actually help yep. you further down the line. Collaborations are a great way to bring in business too. People you know who sell something then kind of recommend you to, to, to kind of come along. Well, one thing that you say in, in terms of your marketing strategy, in, in helping people with their marketing strategy, is that you help them find opportunities in their marketing so maybe I'm going to ask a bit of a difficult question here, but let let let's see, let's see if you can handle this one, AJ. What what would you say is the most common untapped opportunity that most business owners aren't taking advantage of? Today?
1: I'm going to use my least favorite word and the most often used word: the pen. Now i out of the way. I can I can now clarify. Um, <laughs> I know you love that word too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So when it comes to looking for opportunities, you know, a lot of people don't understand. There's thousands of forums. There's one hundred and six different social platforms. That you can be on. There, there are you know niche advertising platforms that only specialize in a particular type of product. Yeah, you know, there, there. Are, advertising opportunities to do things that you may not think of. And so it really it really depends on what the client is. So I can give you, give you some examples. Yeah. I'm currently working with a lingerie brand, right? And there's there's no real opportunity for us on Facebook, right? Because everybody's advertising on Facebook, everyone's advertising on, on, on Instagram, right? Lingerie. Right. right? Mm-hmm. There's half a million people talking about lingerie on Reddit. I'll say that again. There's half a million people talking about lingerie on Reddit. Mm-hmm that's where the opportunity is right because you can do gorilla tactics so you can create accounts and get into those forms and start talking about the brand start talking about that you know why that brand is better than the competition or why the competition may be better than that brand for certain things right you can be honest you can be you have integrity you can have authenticity but you can do it in a way another Another brand that I'm I'm looking at working with are launching a plus size clothing company. Yeah, and for me, if you think of plus size, size people, a lot of them and I know this is stereotypical, A lot of them are will be on Reddit, or a lot of them will be on streaming sites like Twitch. Right. Yeah, and Twitch, for example, right. Your average Twitch streamer probably has like a, a really nice two, three, four hundred dollar pounds chair, right?
0: That mm-hmm. I
1: mean given you know part of a swag deal right but they'll also get right. like some cheap house hoodie and some cheap house hat that doesn't that isn't quality right yeah so we can we, we can use that model and we can just flip it and say right we're not going to give you a chair but we can give you some really good quality clothing yeah that, that that's decent colorways decent designs designed for people who aren't skinny you mm-hmm. sound like you and i but i'm not skinny at all um <laughs> so yeah um not on plus size, I'm, I'm, I'm a comfortable medium. Um, <laughs> 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 Sorry, Bob. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, and so we, we look for opportunities in those kind of those kind of platforms because there isn't a lot of people doing what we're doing in the way that we can do it. My, my next call this morning is with somebody who, I think her first client was in cannabis-related products, and they met on Facebook, and this guy was saying to... to in a marketing forum, you know, um, why does Meta keep banning my ads account? You know, I'm doing everything mm. that they say in terms of selling cannabis legitimately, honestly, um, morally, and they keep banning my accounts. And her response was hey, look, there's those of adult sites where they're your typical user, you know, the, the CPM is is lower, the, the engagement is higher. Um, and if you're comfortable with doing things that are, are seen as seedy, right, which are not, you know, yep. why we don't want to advertise on those, those, those sites, so we can figure out how to get meta on your side, or we can go and look at these other platforms where there is a captive audience that are underserved, where, you know, the rates are, are more affordable, when engagement is higher, and we can still do things in an ethical, moral, authentic way, just that's where the opportunity is. And we can forget that meta exists because meta actually, at the end of the day, there is no opportunity there. Right. And This is why I'm a strategic marketer, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And so for me, yeah, it's just about, you know, it it really is about sitting there with a blank piece of paper and saying, you know, what channels do we have available? Right? Yeah, what methods do we have available to us? And not stopping until you have that page full of opportunities Mm -hmm. and then being able to rank them, Based on what you think you know, the average cost per per acquisition will be, etc. You know, and so I actually just wrote something this morning for for a video company. Um, they're releasing an ebook soon, and I was tasked with writing writing a bit of blurb for their chapter on the mid funnel, right. And my conclusion to this was, right, you know, you know, if it was me, my playbook would be target people with, with a generic you know, image or video ads on, on Facebook, get into the site and then retarget them with a UGC ad, where it's a UGC creator explaining, you know, why, why they made the switch to that product, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you see that they then put that product in a basket and they haven't been checked out, you can, rather than running an abandoned cart sequence that says, hey, you've left us in the cart, you could... Actually, retarget them. Well, you remarket them via email using a third-party blog that compares their product with a different, you know, with 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 the generic product as part of that, you know, re-engagement tactic. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And therefore, you're using UGC through 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 you know through the latter stages and through the the mid and, and and the bottom funnel. But you're doing it in a very sneaky, very clever way that. It enables the purchaser to make a, a better decision, but you're doing it in a very guided way because you're saying to, to UDC creators whether they're bloggers, whether they're making short form videos, whether they're posting, you know, reviews, you know, short form reviews on like X or Twitter or Reddit, etc., etc. That you know you can use all that content you just have to use it strategically within how you're marketing what you're doing. but actually by being strategic with, with the assets that you create and where you place the assets within the funnel within, the, within what where you're trying to convert people, actually you can get a high, higher conversion you can build more trash you can build more more urgency by by being strategic about it and that's what a lot of people aren't doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This is probably my best advice I'm giving giving to you for free.
0: I know this is incredible AJ thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> but but you you one hundred you one hundred percent right. You see so many kind of uh, marketing strategies that that tell you to buy. When people get into their marketing, they seem to forget that yeah. people love to buy, right? People do. People just love to buy things, but they don't like buying things they're told to buy. Yeah, they don't. They they want to buy things that they yeah. want to buy. So that little tactic that you just yeah. described there of sending them a blog post that compares it puts yeah. the the power back in their hands. It says. Oh, look, we're comparing our product to somebody else's as is better but it's still your decision right you can you can still choose but it's it's a like you say it's a very yeah. sneaky tactic it's it's a very clever yeah. way of of allowing them to make the decision themselves without saying hey you abandoned your cart click here to to buy or hey you abandoned your cart do you want 10 yeah. percent off it go back and go go back and buy those are i, I like to say overused that they are overused but they obviously yeah. work to a certain extent so there's nothing wrong with them but how can you make it better and that's where true strategy and um, which is which is what you offer really really comes into play it's been an awesome conversation so far
1: can i tell you tell you a story about a watch
0: yeah tell me a story about a watch go on fantastic
1: i know you you're gonna love this story um <laughs> about what well, about two and a half years ago, I bought a Swiss watch called by a brand called Raymond Weil. If you were to buy it stand in the store, it'd be about three grand. I didn't pay that for it, but anyway, you'll realize in a second why. Um, <laughs> so I saw this watch online. It's all, it, it's an automatic skeleton watch, so you can see the movement. It's got specialist movement that it, is exposed in a way that other movements aren't, so you can see it at work. So it's the most amazing watch because it's a really it, it's a great talking piece. It's not a Rolex that everybody else is wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's handmade in Switzerland, and it's the, just the finest, finest watch, right? And i am actually... I was in, in Monaco last last October, and I was looking... I went to some watch boutiques in Monaco, because I had some time to kill in some meetings. Um, as you do when you're in Monaco, right? <laughs> That's another all together. And I was looking at €40,000 watches, and the, the assistants were going, I think for yours. And I was like, yeah, thanks. So... Anyway, um, here's a story, then, and, and, and this is why it's so important to create content that's meaningful, you know, around each stage of the user's journey. So I found this watch online, I then realised that a local chain retailed them, and so I actually messaged the store, the store directly, hey, can you get one in, so I can come have a look at it. They said, fine, I got an email a week later saying, hey, it's installed, when would you have to pop down? Um, so I popped down, and the manager of the store... Was like, well, we don't retail this brand anymore, so we don't know anything about it. And it's just you know, it looks pretty, and we can do it for this amount of money. And there was no, it was a really deflationary experience because I was just like, well, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've asked you specifically to bring in this model because mm-hmm. I want to buy it, blah blah blah, right? And so it was just really disconcerting.
0: Yeah, I
1: remember getting on the you know, I live in Bath, which is a very congested city, so you never drive into it, you always get the bus <laughs> in and out. Um, I remember. Yeah, I remember taking some photos on my phone and then sitting on the bus home going, well, the watch is amazing, but the experience sucks. Right. Right. And, you know, then the YouTube videos that were available were people like doing short videos or really greasy long videos that you want to watch. Maybe you want to watch a half an hour video about why a watch is great when you can say that same amount of content in seven and a half minutes. Right. Mm hmm. Right. So I, I went around around Europe thinking right. I want to find this watch. How what is best price I can get for it? You know I I, looked, I found it somebody in Germany selling it new, but they were only selling it online. So I can go and fly to Germany and pick it up. And the purpose of going and flying to someone to pick it up is then you avoid import duties when you get on the plane back. Right. Right. Which then makes the pricing cheaper. Not 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 that I'm trying to avoid tax. It's just I'm trying to find the best best price. Sure. For it. Um. <laughs> I ended up finding it. I ended up finding a second-hand one that looked brand new, that was that year, in a watches. A watch finder, which is uh, they they buy second-hand watches. They they make sure that they are uh, serviced correctly. They are working. They are actually comes with all the paperwork, etc., and they come with a two-year your, your warranty. I think, and because the second hand, they they retail them at a, a you know, substantial discount, right? Mm-hmm. And so I ended up buying through them, but again, the, the experience wasn't—you know—the experience was good. It wasn't amazing. I got a great deal because I negotiated, and even with the financing, it was still less than what they had it on the website for. But my overall point is, you know, I was salivating at buying this watch for three, four months, right? Right, looking at all different options, but no one was creating content around each step in that process of saying, "Well, yeah, have you thought about buying this? Because actually, this watch is better, or this model is better." It was just, well, do you want it? Yeah. You know, and and as a consumer looking to spend two and a half, three grand on a watch, obviously I didn't spend that amount. But, you know, having that potential value, not having content around that is really, really disconcerting and really, really poor. The upside is now that I have that watch, I look at it all the time, I wear it all the time. You know, I don't ever go back on to watchshop.com or whatever it is to to, to look for a new watch. And actually, the times I have been into other watch shops, wearing that, everyone's got well, that's a much better than what, what we're trying to vlog you. So <laughs> but it, it it it's just that, that there's a load that we can we can still do to try to optimize the, the purchasing experience from a marketing standpoint that we're not doing. I can give you another quick quick example. So there's a company called myfurniture.com I think it is or the Cody who are mm-hmm. based up in on say Northamptonshire. Probably not. Um, but I found them because I was looking for French free production furniture. You can tell I'm posh, kind. <laughs> but All of these examples. Um...
0: <laughs> You're definitely giving an opinion <laughs> to people.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, but what they do on the website is is you can you can give them your WhatsApp number or your you know or connect with them on Messenger, and then you can then pre-book like a slot for, to have a video call. Okay. And so I did that. And the guy jumps off on of WhatsApp and says, hey, you know, I'm just going in because, you know, you requested a call. I used to locate like, it hey, to, to talk to us for 10 minutes. You know, I said, yeah, great. I said, I want to see these, these three products. So he's running around the showroom and s- showing them. And I was able to say to him, oh, can you show me the, the back of the chair? You know, this angle or this. Yeah, you know, how does the fabric look up close? That kind of thing. Because obviously you can't touch mm-hmm. it in reality. But you can experience it. And like, I really love that company because they get how to do user experience from a really sales-driven way. And obviously, he wasn't pushing at all. He wasn't saying, well, it's going to cost you X amount. He was just going, okay, right, well, this product's coming in in February. So, you know, if you want to buy it, you know, you have to, you, you'll have need to call the head office or what you want, head office. And that, because I don't have access to, to purchase now. You know, this is actually in stock. We actually have four of them sat in the warehouse. So, if that's something you're interested in, you know, drop me an email after, you know, let, or, or whatever. We can put it through the website, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so it was just a completely different experience because it wasn't me saying, well, I'm going to have to, you know, go into town gonna to have to go through the whole thing, I have to then realize that they don't have that in stock or that it's not on display, blah, 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 It's the whole democratizing the experience of of actually viewing a product from the comfort of my ho- own home and knowing that, you know, knowing they have some in stock, knowing that they're getting more and knowing that there's flexibility there without having to, without having to, 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 to really think more than, Hey, that looks like a mm-hmm. furniture
0: and going back to, to what, you, what what you mentioned earlier—that that salesy sure. i love how you just kind of brought it back to the beginning of the episode, <laughs> because what what we you have. mentioned, what, what we were talking about earlier was the you know the, the cheesy salesy stuff, and actually in that story about the furniture store that you just told, what what we discover is that if you yeah. have a seamless sales process that focuses on customer experience. You don't even need cheesy, pushy, or any, you know, those sorts of sales tactics at all because the process sells itself. So if you can build that into into how you're selling your product, yeah, yeah. well, then you're on to a winner. And then you add yeah. the other thing that you mentioned of it's a numbers game, right? They're they're making themselves so accessible with the WhatsApp or, or Messenger, you know, 10-minute meetings or whatever they are, you know, 10-minute consultations, whatever you want to call them. it's so easy for people to just jump on and and go and look that more people are going to do it because it's easy. You get more people and it's a numbers game. The more people that come, the more you're going to sell. And without the need for those cheesy sales tactics, it just feels very seamless. It feels very easy and obviously we, we're talking about the dream here if it was easy to make everybody would be making it right everybody will be doing it um but it, it isn't easy to make but it, it's putting all the pieces together um and, and you've revealed a lot on this on, the, on this episode which is fantastic if you pull those pieces together and start building yeah. your own version for, for, for what you're selling of these things um then then i think this episode is extremely helpful for people that, that are maybe stuck in that kind of trying to sell, trying to generate leads, um, kind of rut, uh, which is which which is fantastic because so many business owners are.
1: I think my overarching point is just to try and think think like a consumer and think about, you know, what, what are the sticking points in the sales process that are making it hard for the person to buy versus how you want to deliver the experience. And I think, you know, oftentimes, actually, if you think about if you were the customer, what would you expect versus what you want to give them? Actually, you're going to make some decisions that are more in tune with Mm -hmm. what People that are actually wanting to buy, but also I don't know. We we have we, talked about this at length behind the scenes, and I'm getting bored of saying this to people. because it sounds it sounds like common sense, but the more, the more I say this to people that you know actually go talk to your customers, that 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 that, that is the, the esoteric advice that nobody takes on walls. But actually go talk to your customers and going to say right, if we were to do X one Z, would that improve how you purchase through us? Yep. Or you know, if we were able to do X for you, would that make buy from us easier?
0: Yep. I was, I was just going to say that so many people don't take advantage of that survey opportunity post post purchase, especially yeah. with a happy customer yeah. to get them to fill out a survey is so easy. You just have to have a survey, right? <laughs> you just have to ask them um, and, and ask them to give an honest uh, answer and ask the right questions. You'll get really, really helpful information just to kind of persuade people to do this. About two and a half years ago, two, two to two and a half years ago, I started using surveys post post purchase server. you know, after I finished working with somebody, I'd send them a survey. One yeah. of my questions yeah. that I asked was, How would you rate the value of the service that I offered to you? Zero being it was too expensive, ten being it yeah. was too cheap. And a lot of people when I said that before I before I put it out there, a lot of people that I said, I'm gonna put this question on there they were like, you can't ask your customer whether they think it was too cheap. Everyone's gonna say it's too expensive because they want you to charge less. What I got in response was the opposite. Customers were That's telling so they were clicking the the, the eights and the nines, they were saying, you're too cheap for the value that you're giving. And that filled me with the confidence to say, okay, you're telling me that I should put my prices up. I'm going to put my prices up. Okay. We can go higher. I'm going to increase my prices because you're, yeah. my customers are literally telling me that, that I'm too cheap. And I did that and higher quality clients came to me. And then I carried mm-hmm. on filling in that survey to the point where I started getting fives, which is what I expected, yeah. right? In the middle. Like you, you, you're hitting the value. You're not too cheap. You're not too expensive. You slap bang in the middle. That's exactly where I want to be. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. And then you start thinking, okay, well, if I want to put my prices up yeah. again, what extra value do I need to give in order to make sure that I can increase my prices again? And then I, yeah. and I did that. I then included what I actually yeah. included was kind of like a, a post post-purchase service. So within three months, they could jump on the call with me if they wanted to, to talk over the copy, or if it wasn't performing the way it was supposed to be performing. And then when I did that, I saw that the survey responses were now starting to creep back up to the sixes and sevens again. Oh, oh, my value, my value to cost is is changing again. Ah, okay. So by, by, by speaking yeah. to our customers, yeah. we can yeah. actually understand what they think of our service. And therefore what our potential prospects in the future are thinking when they're coming to you know to, to make that purchase from us. So people should absolutely take advantage of the survey, ask questions, whether it's talking to them directly. Some people aren't comfortable doing yeah. that. Yeah. I was one of them. Um so for me it was a, oh, can you fill out this survey for me? That works too. Yeah, as long as you get the answers from the customers, you're gonna get really, really valuable information that can really help you grow and, and move forward in business.
1: I'd also say, you know, part of doing research is actively listening. So if you have a client that comes in every Tuesday and says, I wish you did X, you know, or do you know somebody that does X then you can you can try yep. and build a service around that, right? Or you can try and do some, you can try and talk to some more people. I don't think enough people will actively listen or actively kinda of come in and say, Right, well actually, you know, we want to do X Y and Z, you know, that's why, you know we spent six months developing this product, and we haven't done any research. We haven't, we just haven't got anywhere. I think oftentimes, actually, just having good, long-term clients that you can you can pick to, so you can say, right, we're thinking about doing X. Would you buy it? We charge you, yeah, Y yep. for it, and they can absolutely not because so so yeah bob down the road is doing nine tenths of that and actually doing it for half the price that you want to charge and why would we switch yeah and so for me yeah it's it's just super important that we are we're actively talking actively engaging with our clients
0: absolutely and it helps to how many especially again especially in the i know you're in the e-commerce world more than anything else but especially in the digital world how many people are creating products without first going and yeah. seeing do you want this <laughs> you know is this something yeah. that 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 you as a a, a law customer of mine would want or would want to buy um but no because they they have this that that venn diagram again i want to sell this so they just launch the product oh here here it is world and nobody buys nobody (laughs) nobody wants it and you don't know that nobody wanted it because you didn't ask whereas like what you just said if it's something you wanted to sell but it's not profitable because bob down the road is offering it for half the price well okay well that's not a service i'm going to offer them Uh, you know it's not it's not something i'm going to do but just just to kind of build on what you said as well you can also build on improving the existing service in exactly by doing exactly the same Indeed, thing absolutely. so i i actively listen to my clients and when yeah. i did web, web copy for them well i actually noticed two things i'd go onto their website and check yeah. is my copy up yeah after i delivered you know have, have they updated and sometimes a month two months down the line the, the copy still wasn't yeah. on and i was thinking why is you know, <laughs> you, you paid for this <laughs> you paid for this copy for this web page I wrote it for you. You were very happy with it, yet it's not online. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? So, so that yeah. kind of got me yeah. thinking, okay, do I need to talk to my clients? And the and the, the sticking point for them was a, a lot of the people that I work with, the the entrepreneurs, are using Wix or, or WordPress. They, they're they using software they don't actually know how to use because they paid a web developer five years ago to build their website. Yeah. Um, they've never yep. spoken to that web developer again. They have no idea how to update it. Well, I'm not a web developer. But I am technologically, you know, I'm not technologically challenged. So something that I started saying to my clients when I got an inkling that this was going to be the <laughs> case was, hey, I can write your web copy. And if you give me access to your Wix website, I can put that web copy on your existing website. And that was like, wow, you can do that. Oh, amazing. Okay. And, and, and it just, in, again, it increased the value of the service. Yeah, you know, I'm not an expert at web design or web development, but just by offering that service to them, they get their website up Now, if they want to go for a professional web designer or web developer to make it look even better, they've got the foundation now of which to do that on, right. As opposed to just having a PDF document or a word document with some words on it that they're still waiting to put on their website, it's, it's actively listening and thinking about what customers are saying to us and, and, and also how they're behaving. We can also identify behaviors to see how we can improve our own Mm. services and, and build on services or even offer additional services. So. Oh, this has been a fantastic conversation, AJ, um, and I feel like there's been we've kind of jumped all over the place, but there's so much Thank there's you. so much value in this episode. We haven't. <laughs> so, j- just to kind of finalize, just because Wait till you get the invoice. <laughs> I'm going to be charged the hourly rate for AJ. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I, I love to dream big, and I've already hinted kind of earlier in this episode that one of the things I'm focusing on this year is visibility. But seriously, because 2023 for me was visibility too, and I didn't seriously approach it, so I'm being more serious about it this year. And actually, saying I am going to be more visible, I am going to get out there and do more of this stuff. I, I love to dream big and, and you know be a dreamer. But what big dreams do you have for 2024 and beyond?
1: Yeah. So my, my ultimate goal is to, to move to Monaco, which I need half a million to get residency there. So half a million Euros. So that's that's been the goal since I was thirty. I'm thirty six next month in March. Still nowhere near close but I feel that this year I have a better plan in place to, to do that. So I've got three goals for this year is to make quarter of a million pounds so I'm going to see 10 customers paying four grand a month essentially to have half a million uh, in revenue then you know, 50% profit margin gives me the, the quarter of a million that I need. Um, going gonna to live in Monaco for a month just to test it out and then I'm going to buy a Bentley Continental GT which is my dream car. Those are my, my three 2024 goals and the long term vision.
0: That is that is the definition of dreaming big, huh? <laughs> That's exactly what it is. And it's fantastic because this is something else business owners do a lot as well, is they don't dream. Um they yeah. they kind of sit in their bubble of, oh, I need this much money each month. And and we forget the well, what do you want? You know, what's that what's that big, big dream? Because even if you don't make half a million this year, if you made even a half of that, yeah. You'd be way closer than you have in previous years. And and that's just bringing you closer to that dream. So it's better to, what's that phrase? It's better to reach for the stars and hit the sky than to reach for the tree and hit the ground or something something along those lines. It's
1: better to shoot for the moon and hit the the stars.
0: Oh, did I get it wrong? Of course I did.
1: (laughs) 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 It's better to shoot for the moon and hit the stars.
0: Well, you understand what I was saying, anyway, right? <laughs> that's the. I understand. I, you know, I, I watch far too much American
1: TV for my own good.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, well, thank you so much for 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 coming on and being a guest, my first guest uh, oh, on my new podcast. This has been so much fun just to have to have a chat. The best guest so far. <laughs> it's been the best one so far, AJ. Absolutely. <laughs> If you just want to close out by by letting letting <laughs> letting listeners know where they can learn more about you
1: yeah so sure so they can go to audaciouscommerce.com there's a great blog on there that explains my philosophy of how to market your e-commerce business so how to really specifically understand what marketing is how to then build a tactical plan how to then build kpis benchmarks etc to keep you on on track people can reach out to me on linkedin i'm I pretty much post there daily. Um, I'm really highly engaged on on LinkedIn. Instagram as well. I've got a personal Instagram. So that's A underscore J underscore Saunders. Again, come come talk to me on there. I'm more than happy to, to talk to people if... If you want to hire me for Fractional SEO work, which is an, a service that I'm testing at the moment, which is another thing we just talked about, you can go to FractionalSEOExpert.com. You can book directly on there. And it's a seamless experience. I have to ask Bob to give me a quotation to, to, to put up on there. There's a lovely, <laughs> lovely face. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm I'm, I'm visible. I'm visible. I'm, I'm, I'm actually engaging with people. And so, yeah.
0: Amazing. Well, a lot of people come to me for copy without having a proper strategy. So I would recommend that if you're, if you really, really want to make my copy work <laughs> by working with me, go and speak to AJ first, get the strategy in place, then we can build the copy um, that, that, that's actually going to convert and actually going to work because you're giving it the right plan and strategy to get people, to get eyeballs looking at it, right? <laughs> and eyeballs reading it. Amazing. Well, that thank works. you. Thank you yep. again so much yep. For, yep. for coming on, AJ. It's been absolutely amazing talking to you. My pleasure. Brilliant. Cheers.
1: Bye.
0: Wow. What a great conversation. I'm sure you'll agree. AJ gave so many golden nuggets throughout that conversation. This is definitely an episode that you can listen to over and over again. Take each little section, grab those nuggets and start implementing into your own business. Just before this episode finishes, hit subscribe so that you get notified of the next episode coming up, which is going to be all about urgency and how to communicate why your customer should buy now as opposed to later. So looking forward to uh, releasing that one next week for you and I'll speak to you again soon.